You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. You guys want to hear one or two testimonies from Iraq before we get started? So, uh, the first time that Aaron and I went together, we were scared. And uh, especially flying out of Turkey, you're like, this is our last chance to turn around and run away. Um, but it, you, you kind of get, the more you go, the more, the more you grow, right? And it's like, so there, was, there wasn't really any fear. But the first time we went, you guys remember the story about getting into the mosque? And, and God moving powerfully and people being healed. Well, that was the first time, that, at least for this mission missionary and the organization that he runs that that ever happened that that ever happened but since then it's continued to happen consistently and so when we were in Baghdad uh, we we traveled now I want to be careful not to make this seem bigger than it is because what happens is is people come back from the mission field and they make things seem very big so they can seem very important like I don't want to do that like this it really isn't a big deal right but in, in, in our Western mentality, it seems so, but when you're there, it's not that big of a deal. It's just obedience to what Jesus has called you to do. So there's nothing, it's just, it's, it's actually the normal life that every believer lives in in the Middle East. Does that make sense? So I don't want you to think that this was super crazy or out there, e- even though there was elements of it that were just very unique. So we, we went to this area called the Triangle of Death, and so... Yeah, you heard me right. That's like SeaTac Airport, just for comparison. No, I'm joking. Um, when you're unvaccinated. So anyway, um, what? Yeah, not yet, buddy. Holding out. Sorry. Okay, so so we we go to this place called the Triangle of Death, and some locals didn't want to go there just because of the reputation. That, um, that this area is known for. And so we took a small team in, and there's a mosque. And, but the mosque, don't think like big mosque. Think like little like village, like, like just a room, just a rectangular room with some speakers on it. And we go in, and, and we go, okay, we're going to share three different testimonies. So a guy shared, an, Iraq, an Iraqi man shared about how his son was raised from the dead. It's pretty amazing. I shared about how my hand got stuck to a Bible and demons got cast out of me. Another lady shared about how she was emotionally wounded and was healed and how God healed her heart so they could see deliverance. They could see God raises the dead and God heals your heart. And then a man named Fabian got up and he began to preach the gospel clearly. And as he was preaching, um, he got to the point where it was time to say a prayer. Now, Now, being there, it's hard to really track like what happens in these moments because it's like it's just hard to explain like you don't really know the impact only God knows the impact so as he then says if you're here and you would like to give your life to Jesus and and follow him clearly laying out what the gospel was many hands in the mosque went up to receive Christ and as he's praying a man comes into the mosque which I don't know if David was joking with me or not but when I was sitting there, the, the lead missionary came over to me and said, yeah, we don't like it when they plug up the door. And I turned around, and there's like, it's just like bottle jam. Like, I'm not getting out of there. Like, you know what I mean? So I don't know if he was messing with me or anyway. Okay. 
sorry, I'm a little bit jet lagged. So I was like, well, okay. And so the guy comes in and he starts to say, don't pray that. Don't, don't you understand that you're Muslim? And he begins to become very loud and very destructive to all the, like distractive to all the people that were praying the prayer of salvation. But many people continued. The prayer ended and there was all this commotion outside the mosque. And there was, a, there was a truck out there with food on it, thankfully, that kind of took some of their attention to handing out the, the, the food to the people that came. And so uh, David and others came to me and said, listen, when we get down to the last 10 food items that we're going to give away, we're going to get in the vehicle and we're going to leave. Right? Because it's not, this isn't some place that you want to be. Right? And so I'm like, all right, but I just felt this absolute calm like presence of God like it was like a like the first time like a blanket just wrapped around me and I'm like I don't want to leave I just want to stay right here in the mosque and if, if you follow me on social media you see two pictures of two elderly ladies who one of them had not been able to see really clearly for two years and right after the gospel was preached her eyes come on opened and she was able to see clearly and one of her eyes Another lady would tell you, an Egyptian lady said that she was staring at the eye. The eye actually physically changed. So she wasn't completely blind, but she, she saw like everything was blurry. And she goes, now I can see. Another woman, the same thing. She was having a difficult seeing and her body was just full of pain. They don't have the, the, the amazing doctors and nurses that we have today. They need a miracle. And so we prayed for her and God healed and really began to minister to her to the point where when she came out of the mosque, she was telling everybody, Jesus is healing me. I feel better and I can see. So then we're standing outside and there's these men all around in there and they're taking pictures, right? And then you can tell that they're sending pictures to authorities, right? Authorities meaning militias, don't think police, Think like militias. Think like Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Okay? So that's why they were like, we, we need to go. Like, we, we need to go because the, they actually said, we reached out to the militia. The militia is coming. You, like, we got to go. So I remember getting, again, feeling the absolute presence and peace of God, getting into the van and seeing the driver, like, we're going. And I'm like, what's you kind of feel like what's the big deal because you're in the safety and the will of God. It's like this really unique thing, but at the same time, you know, listen, I'll, I'm going to do what they want me to do because they're locals and they know what's right. Does that make sense? And so God moved powerfully. I, I missed the first outreach, but they went in and they had about 120 people, not in a mosque, but in, a, in, like, a, in like a local area. And uh, miracles broke out. Salvation happened. And there's an investigation out right now on the missionary that we went to visit. So popularity in the Middle East is different than popularity in the West. Right? Right, you don't, popularity there means imprisonment, being kicked out of the country, you know, death, you know, these kind of things. So he's, he's becoming very popular in the Middle East. And, uh, and, and God's moving powerfully. And then we got to go to Nineveh the ancient city of Nineveh, where Jonah the prophet went, which is now present-day Mosul, right? That in 2014 to 2017 was the stronghold of ISIS. Mean, like, 
when you drive through the city, you see war. Like you see buildings that are exploded. There, it's like, like there's more bullet holes than there is normal uh, building left, right? And so we went in there and, and they have a, an actual like, they have an ability to get in there. You couldn't just go. You have to have certain papers to get in. And we got into the city and, and they go there often. And we, we ministered. Um, at the place where Jonah the prophet sat. So we, we, I just really felt in my heart that we were supposed to go there. And so when we walked up to the, it's like a little mount. When we walked up and we began to talk to three guys, all of a sudden about 35 people gathered around. And they told us we had to move. So we went up the stairs and there was close to 75 to 80 people that were just gathered around and people were sharing. We had about three or four of us on a team and, and we, were, we were sharing the gospel and we were praying for people, but it's very hard ground. Like they know what we believe and they view me as a crusader, not as a Christian looking to bring salvation, right? And so they're very intellectual and they'll argue, and, but it was really cool to be where Jonah was. Isn't that awesome? So there, there's many more stories and you can go... Um, Look on social media. You can see pictures and, and see where we went. It was an exciting trip, and I'm excited to go back. Okay, today we're going to talk about a supernatural catch. If you're taking notes, it's the, the title of this message is a supernatural catch. Not a natural catch, but a supernatural catch. I want to I give a warning quickly to the church. I, I felt this as we, were, as we were worshiping this morning that we are about ready to enter in to exciting times. We're about ready to see people saved and healed and delivered and families restored and, and people filling our churches. I know it's gonna happen. I've seen it and I know we're gonna see it again because when we do what Jesus has told us to do, there is fruit. It's not a, I hope, it's I know. If we preach the gospel, people will get saved. If we baptize people, people will be delivered and come out of the water of baptism, speaking in tongues, and families will be forever marked in this season that we're moving into. But you better believe the enemy has a counterattack. And I believe that the attack of the enemy is going to be offense. That's how the enemy works. It's the bait of Satan. There's a book that John Bevere wrote called The Bait of Satan, which is about offense. It, it, it looks like you bumping into somebody out in the lobby who, you know, the, the, the promised church is the greatest place, you know, in the world to you. And you'd have one conversation with one person that's packing a, a, a spirit of division and you leave confused. And it went from, wow, I love Pastor Aaron and, 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 and Tasha and Pastor Jonathan and Casey and, and the team. And you have one conversation with one devil that's come in to disrupt what God is going to do. God's going to do it whether you get offended or not. Because I'm going to keep my heart right. But I need you to hear me. I've seen too often good people have offense come in out of nowhere. So if there is offense or the possibility of offense in your heart towards me, towards a leader, towards, just don't do it today, towards a, because I'm tired, uh, towards, towards a friend, towards a family member, do what the Bible says instead of gossiping and worshiping the devil. 
Remember, gossip, slander, backbiting, those are all characteristics of the devil. Instead of being devil-like, be Christ-like and go to the individual and say, hey, there's an offense in my heart. Can we talk about it, brother to brother or sister to sister? And stop that little thing, that little leaven, before it turns into big trouble. But for some reason, it's more fun to talk about people behind their back than it is to do what the Bible says to do. And so we find ourselves in circles and groups and we call, hey, hey, Aaron, I just really wanted to call you and I just really wanted to take a moment to pray uh, for Pastor Casey for a moment. Because, you know, he's really been offending me lately. and, And so in the name of prayer, I call Aaron to pray about Casey, but really it's just gossip. That's how this stuff works. We gossip in the name of Jesus. And we, we can't, we cannot afford for the enemy to come into the camp. So I want you to know, I am right with all of you. And if there's ever a moment when I'm not right, you will know it because I will be at your door saying, can we get right? Because I don't want to be at odds with my brother because you're created in the image and the likeness of God. And God tells me, right, that I'm to love you and I'm going to love you the best that I can. So I want you to know just right now, there is nothing that I'm offended at any of you about. But if there is, I will come to you. And I would hope that you do the same for me and the people in this church. Amen? Because we're moving into exciting times. Amen? And there's a supernatural catch that is coming. And the enemy always wants to get in and mess it up. Uh, the, The last time that we went to the Middle East, Aaron was there with us. There was a guy named Leo. And Leo, his wife, I've told you this story before, his wife uh, woke up, well, she had a vision in her sleep of Jesus, and then she woke up one day, and Jesus was standing at the foot of her bed and said to her, I am the Son of God, obey me and tell others about me. I am the Son of God is Jesus' identity. Obey me is your identity. You don't have any rights in Christ. Your your obedience is your identity. I I want you to hear that. I just got to figure out who I am. Do you want to know who you are? Obey Jesus. Because he created you. He sustains you. And he knows what makes you run well. Okay, so that's our identity. And then he said, tell others about me. So she began to tell her husband, Leo, and Leo, um, as, as David was praying for him in this, in this search for God, heard the audible voice of God say to him, I am the son of God, obey me and tell others about me. And two years went by and he didn't tell anybody. And so we go in to equip believers, and, and Aaron and I, and we, we preached, and, and then Aaron sat there, which he's so, he does so beautifully. He'll, he'll set people up. He's like, Leo, you are going with Chris. <laughs> he didn't laugh like that, but in his heart, he knew what was coming. And so, so, you know, Leo goes out with me, if you remember the story, and we're on the street talking to the first two guys, and as we're sharing, right, he looks at me, And I'm sharing here, and he's translating. And I said, now my friend Leo is going to share his testimony with you. And Leo looks at me and says, what? He goes, do you want me to die? I said, no, I want you to be obedient. And there was an argument that happened. I'm sure the two people were a bit confused because it went from talking here to arguing. And I said this word to him, did God tell you? 
Did God tell you to share with others? Or did he not? Because if God spoke it, you better believe he'll be there to protect you. And he goes, he did. And he turned and he shared his testimony. And if you know Leo, from that moment on, when he got bold, he couldn't keep his mouth shut. He just started sharing his testimony with everybody because when a Muslim background believer begins to share their testimony of coming out of uh, Islam and becoming a Christian, it's way more powerful than me sharing mine. Right? It was powerful. Now, you may be sitting here and you may think, why can't I have a word like that? Like, why can't Jesus appear at my, my bed and give me a word? Why, why, why can't I have this confidence? I want to tell you that you do have a word from God. You have a word. And he tells you that he is the son of God. And he tells you that your identity is to obey him. And he tells you to tell others about him. Can somebody please give me an amen? Come on for a minute. You have a word from God. God spoke to you. Now, I know that it's a little bit more extreme in hearing their testimony, but they're in a little bit more of an extreme area. So I'm thinking, well, maybe if I need Jesus to appear at the end of my bed, I need to, like, go live there for a couple years until it happens. Or maybe I need to stand up to the corruption in the world and get thrown into a fiery furnace and Jesus will appear and walk with me. I found the more that you're in the darkness, the more the light shines. So if you want to encounter God this week, come and go on outreach. Yeah, I got it. I got one. I'll take it. You're signed up. Whoever's sitting next to him, make sure I know his name. Okay. So Luke 5, 1 through 11, it says this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Now, maybe this is just, maybe I have a simple mind, but here the crowd is pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God. Because he is the word of God. Every word that he spoke was the word of God, amen? So they're pressing in, and he was standing by the lake of Gernesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word. Somebody say that with me. But at your word. We need to have a but at your word moment. But at your word, he says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James, the, uh, James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. I want to prophesy to you. 
we are entering into a season of a supernatural catch. The promised church is going to experience and continue to experience a supernatural catch. I came here with my family, came back home to help prepare the nets. To help prepare the nets for the catch that is coming. The catch of fish recorded was estimated to be one ton of fish. The amount of fish is normally caught in a two-week time frame. Supernatural. One ton of fish. Another miracle is that they normally fished at night, not during the day. Even though it may seem like in the natural that this is not a good time to see people saved, people are ready. People are ready. Even though, uh, you know, being in Washington and Oregon, it, I mean, coming from Texas and Florida, this is another country. I mean, let alone go to Seattle and Portland. It's, it's another world. So, so coming back home and seeing the state that, that, that my state is in, you begin to think, wow, people are more distanced, more calloused, more like now when you walk up to somebody and you say to them, hey, excuse me, they think that you're telling them to pull their mask up. They're like running away scared, like because the only interactions that we have with people are negative now. But what that means is maybe in the natural it seems impossible, but in the supernatural, people are ready for God encounters. Mask on or mask off, it doesn't matter. The gospel goes right through the mask. Okay? It's not about a mask. It's about Jesus. So, so I'm, I, you know, I get delayed when I'm, when I'm supposed to fly out because of different complications, and I just knew in my heart, God has left me behind for 24 hours to have an impact. I knew that God was going to set people up for God encounters. And so and there was a really cool thing that happened that night. But I woke up that morning and I, I went down because I had all day the next day in Seattle. And I went down into, to get breakfast and this lady came over. And uh, at the beginning I began to think, wow, I don't know if she's really open to the gospel. Right? And, and some time goes by. And she, she keeps coming back and sitting at my table. And at one point, she sat down and she said, I have a question for you. My question for you is this. Can you tell me about eternal life? Can you tell me about life after death? She said, because I've gone to a couple different psychics. And they've told me very similar things. But I want to know what you have to say. I said, well, I got great news for you. You had to pay those psychics money. And those psychics operate in the spirit of divination and it's demonic. But God sends you a prophet and it will cost you nothing. Come on. Some, is, somebody in a minute might just need to stand up and just like. I got a hand wave in the back from Miss Linda. I'm going to start walking with a limp. No, it's called swag. Right, I, and she sits down and I'm able to fully explain the gospel to her. And, and I said, I have to honor God, right? I have to honor God. I have to ask you, are you ready to receive Christ today? I, right, because there can be some awkwardness there as you're asking that question to people. But I said, I have to honor him. And because I honor him, I don't fear you. And so do you want to give your life? She said, listen. I'm not ready today, but you have completely changed the way in which I view God. 
This is the state of the people in this region. They are ready for a God encounter. And we have to keep our eyes off of the things that are, that, that are separating and dividing our country and keep our eyes on Jesus and the person in front of us. Amen? So people are ready. And you have a word from God. You have a word from God. So point number one would have been, we have a word from God, put down your nets. Point number two would be this. Have you had a but at your word moment? Right, so now we've, we've, we've discovered that we have a word from God, but have you had a but at your word moment? Because in that moment, he's thinking, I'm tired, I've already washed my nets, it's daytime, but at your word. So there's, there's many different things that, come into play when, it, when we're talking about evangelism. And I know that I'm, I'm speaking about evangelism and discipleship, and there is many other things in the kingdom of God that we can talk about. And I actually hope that someday I can talk to you about them. I'm like, Lord, what am I speaking today? Talk about it again. Talk about it again. Why is God talking about it so often? Because he's coming back soon. And wouldn't it make sense that the church would be equipped to catch the end time harvest? So the days of us being able to choose what we want to preach are over. We, we just get to preach what he tells us to preach, and he wants me to keep telling you to prepare your nets because there is a supernatural catch that is coming, and you have to have a but at your word. So what does that look like? The Aaron translation. I read the same translation because we're friends. It looks like this. I'm busy on Tuesday night. It looks like I don't feel that great. I'm low on energy. Do you want to know what Jesus said? Oh. When he's, when he's talking to the woman at the well in John 4 and the boys come back with cheeseburgers, right? He sends, he sends the boys away because he's like, you can't handle this conversation because she, number one, is a she and she's a Samaritan. And you're going to mess this whole thing up. So go get some food. They come back and they go, hey, um... Did, did you eat yet? He goes, no, I, I have a food that you don't know of. His food was to do the will of God. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you malnourished? Come and go on outreach. Because when you begin to do the will of God, you will come to life because it is like food. He says, my food is to do the will of God. It looks like you saying, ah, you know, we, we got something going on this day and that day, and that's the day that I'm supposed to rest. And it looks like you changing your schedule to be obedient to the Great Commission. It looks like you removing some things from your life so that you can put him at the right place in your life. Now, I know that some people can do Tuesdays and Thursdays. I understand that some men in this room get up at 3 a.m. and they get home at 7 p.m. And I'm not speaking to you, but I'm saying to the majority of us in this room that you could, if you wanted to, change your schedule and make room to advance the kingdom of God. And even if you can't do a Tuesday or a Thursday, you could ask Jeffrey about a Wednesday. You could make disciples on Wednesday. You could talk about serving uh, with, the, with the kids upstairs. There's a lot of different ways that you can invest your life into making disciples. Amen. And you will find that you will come 
to life? Have you had your but at your word moment? When we were, when we stepped outside of the mosque, there was a, the guy that came in to interrupt, right, the, the prayer. There's something in me that wants to go with that. There's something in my heart that says that is the very one that needs to have an encounter with God. That's the Saul that's going to become a Paul. If that person gets it, watch out, world. But I remember the first time we went and we were a lot more scared. I remember telling my, my family, listen, if I go there and get kidnapped, the world is going to say Chris made a big mistake. Right? I can't believe how irresponsible, how would he do that, how could he do that. Right? And we see people that go in there and they're martyrs today and we see the way that even the Christian world reacts to people that lay down their life for Jesus. And I told my kids, tell the world and tell the church that somebody had to tell ISIS. Somebody had to go to Nineveh. It's, it's a matter of perspective. And so, you know, we walk across the street and I felt a little bit of something, right? And we go over there and there's a group of about 10 guys and, and I begin to share my testimony and about how God delivered me and I begin to share the gospel with them. And then I got a word of knowledge and they all pointed at one guy, but I knew it was for another guy. And I said, it's for you as well. And that man who came in and interrupted the meeting then stood there and I said, you are about to see a miracle. Why? Because I know that when I do his will, he shows up in great power and demonstration. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so I know, God, I'm going to step out of the boat and you're going to have to show up. And so I, he's like, no, I don't want you to pray. I don't want you to pray. And I said, give me your hand. No, I don't want to pray. No, no, no. I said, give me your hand. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. And he's getting a grab it. Now I have it. He's a hostage of mine. <laughs> so I got his hand. In Jesus' name, I declare that all sickness, all anxiety, all fear, that it will go in Jesus' name. I say, God, come and do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, have your way. Heal this man's knees. Guess what? His knees were healed. Guess what happened to the other guy? His knees were healed. And they begin to look at each other. Are you healed? Are you healed? And they're like talking back and forth. They were. Guess what the man who interrupted the meeting saw? He saw Jesus as king. So I was able to say, listen, I know you're not going to receive it today, but you just saw a miracle, which completely says that what I'm saying is true. And you can look in my eyes and see that I'm not scared. You can look in my eyes and see that I know Jesus. That's what I told him. I could very easily be on a vacation somewhere, some beach somewhere, but I came here to tell you that Jesus is Lord. That's what it looks like. That's a at, but at your word. In my mind, I'm thinking that is the person that I should not talk to. But at your word, Lord. At your word, I'm going to share. Amen. The third and last thing is this, a supernatural catch is coming. It is coming. What can God do with your obedience to respond to his word to disciple the nations? I want to encourage you today 
that it's not complicated. All you have to do is simply show up. God, God um, he's really not that impressed with any of us. I am weak. I am fleshly. I get agitated, right? Especially on 24-hour uh, delays when I lose business class for no reason, and they don't refund me my money, and I have rights as an American. Okay, we're all weak. We're all in need of Jesus. But when you show up and offer your life a living sacrifice, the glory and the power of God comes upon you. The reason why we have certain men and certain women that we elevate in the body of Christ is because only certain ones are willing. But if you're willing, you can start this week and begin to change the world. All you have to do is show up. So all you have to do is show up. All you got to do is just show up and say, I have no clue what I'm doing. I've got a little bit of faith. All that boy had was a couple loaves and a fish. And God worked a miracle. All God needs is your obedience. And if you give him your obedience throughout these next months and years, you will get to eternity and stand before God with your head held high, saying, I made an impact with my life. I made an impact. We made a change. And I didn't give in to fear. I thought it was interesting that Pastor Aaron talked about being a fool. When, when, I, when I thought about, and I want to close with this scripture, when I thought about Today, and, and what I was going to try to communicate to you about being available to God, I had this one thing in my heart that I can't get past. It's, are you willing to be a fool for Jesus? It, it wasn't when Aaron was talking about money and talking about foolishness. It's when he got up and he exhorted in worship, and he was talking about being a fool for Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? And there's this scripture in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 10, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It says, our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. So when I begin to think about this Thursday, right, this is the city that I grew up in, lived here 31 years, know many people in this city. You know, some people like me, other people hide from me because they know I've got one thing to talk about. I actually saw somebody uh, two days ago at the Vancouver Mall and, and, uh, and they, uh, they, they, they looked at me and they go, they were fearing God. I said, hey, how's it going? They go, um, I said, don't run away. I'm not, I'm not making, I said, don't run away. How are you doing? Where are you going to church at? They go, well, uh, my, my wife's going to church. I, I need to get back there. I said, yeah, you need to honor God with your life. <laughs> I need you to understand something for a moment, though. When I walk around this city and I'm running into the same people that I've ran into over and over again, old classmates, people, there's a sense of uh, awkwardness that I feel and fear that I feel, but I want to be a fool for Jesus. And my dedication to walk out the call of God is going to cause me to become a fool for Christ. Right when, when we send out 30 people and we knock on the same door three times and they're looking at you like you're crazy and you're a little bit nervous, we do it because we're dedicated to him and we understand that only through Jesus is this world gonna be saved. It's dedication, and you see this, our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. Listen to this, we are weak, 
but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Now, there's a lot more that I could say in this passage in 1 Corinthians 4, but Paul is speaking to people that are not engaged in the same warfare that he's engaged in. Let let me put it into simpler terms. You can come to church and raise your hands, give in the offering. You can lead a Bible study or a prayer group, and people can look at you as if you're spiritual. And you can begin to walk around the church as if you're connected to God. I'm strong. People come to me. I see it all the time. I'm not not pointing anybody out in this room that that's you, but I have seen religious pride creep in with new believers and old believers alike. There's this thing like that was in the Pharisees and the Sadducees where we like to be important. We like to be liked. We liked... We like to be looked at as, yes, that's the guy that went to the Middle East, to Iraq, and went in a mosque. And yes, I'm so important and powerful. No, I'm not. I'm weak. I'm not that important. I'm just obedient. Don't look at me like I'm special. He's special, and he's the one that's given me the grace to do it. And he says in this, he says in this passage, which, by the way, everything that you do and every gift that you have is from God. So what are you going to boast about? But he, he makes this statement, he says, he says, we're looked at as fools, but you're wise. We're weak, but you're powerful. Now listen, you can be powerful in a Christian context, in a Christian bubble, but we'll see how powerful you are when I tell you to go to Walmart and share your faith. You want to test where you're at with God? Share your faith. Not once, consistently. I need you to hear me. This is not an evangelist right now speaking to you, telling you to get out there and win the lost. This is a father speaking to you, saying, listen, listen, you may think that you're powerful. You may think that people honor you, but does God honor you? Because I'll tell you what, on Tuesday when we're in Longview and we're in prayer for a city, I'm weak. And I'm crying out, Jesus, I need your power. Jesus, I need your glory. Jesus, I need your words. Jesus, I need you to come in power. I need people to see you and to know you. I am weak. I cannot do this on my own. Holy Spirit, come empower me. Fill me with your presence. And I'm going to get loud because the most desperate are often the most used by God. When it comes to prayer, right, we often think, oh, that person, they have a great prayer life. They're so strong. Actually, it's the weakest ones that have the greatest prayer life because they understand their dependence upon God. There's a story of a man who was drowning and and this guy saw him and he's like, oh, oh man, I need to go help that guy. But he understood that the man that was drowning had more power than he had because of the fear and the need that he had. So he saw three professional surfers and he went to them and said, listen, we need to go help this guy who's drowning. But they understood that that one man who was weak could actually drown all four of them. So where we get puffed up and spiritual in our own little Christian bubble. If you want to begin to see what you're really worth in the kingdom, begin to step outside of that bubble. 
And you begin to feel the weight when you walk into Nineveh. (laughs) You don't feel spiritual. You're in great need of God saying, God, this entire city doesn't know you. I need your power. When you read in the book of Acts and they're praying, they say, God, grant your servants boldness. Right, if all we do is live inside the church, we will deceive ourselves thinking that we are spiritual. Let me read this to you and then will you stand with me? We have a thing called celebrity Christianity in the West that elevates man and makes him more important than he should be. This causes men and women alike to pursue Christian popularity and to desire a stage for wrong motives of fame and power. Take these same people with their wrong motives to the East where there is persecution and see if they want the same stage because popularity means persecution, imprisonment, and death. We whether we like it or not, live in a context in the West where celebrity Christianity exists. We, we, and I don't know how we're going to change it. It's just the way that it is. And, and people, they, 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 they think they're spiritual and they think that they're know, they have all this knowledge and they have all of these things figured out and, and they're going to have another Bible study, another this, another that, another conference to talk about a stuff that they're never going to actually walk out in their life. You want to know what I think would fix the conference problem? You can only go to a conference once a year if you share your faith five times. Our conferences would dry up real quick. I I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to lay down your life a living sacrifice. To give it to him and to say, God, I'll be a fool for you. I will go and be obedient. And I understand that as I do your will, it will be food to me. Right? What did they see when they went and they saw the promised land? A couple came back and they saw giants. Others saw food. Others said, they'll be like food for us. They'll be like bread for us. Because if we do what God says to do, he will sustain us and he will lead us. I know that right now, not all of you can come on Tuesday or Thursday. But some of you need to begin to ask God, God, do I need to rearrange my schedule? God, do I need to rearrange my priorities? God, my kids play 17 sports. Maybe they play 16, maybe 15. I'm all for sports. I love basketball. I love baseball. I I even love soccer. It's great. It's wonderful. But if all you're doing is running from sporting practice to sporting event to this to that, and you don't have any time to believe, to, to like actually breathe and pursue the greatest sport of all time, because Paul addresses it. He says, they run after perishable crowns, but I, I'm going to run after an imperishable crown. I want my son to knock down corner threes, but I want him to slay demons. I want him to preach the gospel. I want him to shout from the rooftops. I want him to stand up in the midst of a perverse generation and be a light. I want my son Noah to walk into a school and be pure.
What if he pursued that with the same passion that he pursued basketball? If you just raise your hands all over this room, Father, we come to you. We ask you, God, to humble us. We ask you, God, to come and to land on us with your mighty hand. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you begin to speak to the hearts of every person in this room. God, that they would begin to rearrange, that they would begin to relook at and to say, okay, God, I'm going to make a shift. I'm going to change the way that I've been doing my life so that I can actively advance the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, come, have your way. If you're, if you're here and you're, and you're open, I just want you to begin to put your hands up over your head and just begin to pray. Say, God, show me how. Even if it seems impossible, say, God, show me how. Show me how. Show me how I can honor you with my life. Show me how I can be a witness. Show me how I can make disciples. Even though it seems impossible, right now, just begin to pray and ask God. Ask Him. Ask Him. Ask Him for strategy. Ask Him. Maybe it's opening up your house on a Saturday. Maybe it's going on an outreach on a Friday night. I don't know what it is. Begin to ask him for creative ways that you can honor him and be obedient to him because he's coming to you and he's saying I am the son of God I am the son of God he's saying to you I am the son of God I am the son of God and he's saying to you obey me with your life obey me with your life he's saying lay down your life obey me with your life and he's telling you he's telling you he's telling you tell others about me Tell others about me. Be a witness to a perverse generation. Be a light that shines on a mountain. He's telling you, tell others about me at your workplace, at your school. Come, Holy Spirit.